our love is selfish, then everything we do is about what we get in return. It becomes a, a complete question of return on investment. If I do this, then you give me this. If I treat you this way, then you return to me this thing that I want. If I do this, then this happens, right? But notice it says love doesn't seek its own. So the driving motivation of our behavior is not us getting the things that we want. Now, doesn't that sound completely illogical? Taking in or giving away. If only one of those actions defined love, which would it be? Of course, it would be giving away. Because that's the more selfless route. But as we'll hear today, it is a meandering path to get there. We have a hard time not making ourselves the center of the universe. As you listen to this teaching from Pastor Daniel, consider the ways that your selfish nature takes over. It's not always obvious, but Jesus can change any heart. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Love Defined. How many of you heard it said, if you would say it with Jesus standing there or that person standing there, then you should say it. And if you wouldn't, then you shouldn't. You guys have heard that line? How many things should we filter out? Because if the person was standing there, you wouldn't say it. So... Love is kind. You think about kindness, kindness is a quality, isn't it? When someone is kind, you know it. And when someone is unkind, what? You can sense it. I feel blessed. For those of you who know my wife, Lynn, my wife might be the kindest person I've ever met. She's just genuinely a kind-hearted, sweet-hearted. She never would say anything about somebody. You know, even if somebody is upset with her, she's like, you know, her response is still kind. I'm always blown. I'm from New Jersey, so that, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, and then she, my wife is like angelic and sweet. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you said. <laughs> you can pray for me, you know, say, I'm growing too. But when you're around someone who's genuinely kind hearted, you know it, right? There's a, you walk away feeling different feeling lighter, feeling more free. You know, it's an always amazing thing. And when you're around, if somebody is being unkind and they're kind of going off, it's like you, you ever get the question, like, I wonder what they're going to say about me when I'm not there, right? They're willing to say that about this person when they're not there. What are they going to say about me when I'm not there? It makes you kind of nervous, right? But love is patient and kind. What's interesting, and in your own time, you can go to Romans 2, 4. The Apostle Paul uses kindness and long-suffering and patience to explain God's love for humanity because God is patient with us and he's kind with us. And now the Apostle Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit is like our love for one another should be the same kind of love. It should be long-suffering and kind. So love is patient. Love is kind. Now look at what it says next because it says we have a a series of of words here in, in verse four. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Now, if I take these three little phrases and you put them together, what it teaches us is that love is selfless. Love 
is selfless. Now, the reason I say love is selfless, as you see each one of these examples, what happens is, is that love, when it's self-centered, it, it'll do these things that we're told not to do. When it's about us, then we're going to do these type of things. And if we are willing to be selfless, it won't be. Notice, love does not envy. Now, envy, it speaks about causing strife or rivalry. The idea of envy, it speaks really of competition. Now, how often, and I think all of us do this in different ways, how often does something happen for somebody and right away, it's like almost like a competition. Oh, well, you do this. Well, I did that. Oh, oh, you went bungee jumping. I went skydiving. Oh, oh, you went cycling. Well, I did a half marathon. There's that, that tit-for-tatness of humanity. See, envy is not loving. Envy is like all of a sudden someone says something and now I'm thinking about myself and how I relate to that. And if I'm building my value off of what you're saying about someone else, then I'm going to jump in with envy. Now you might say, well, envy is envy a small, isn't it? Like what's the big deal? It's envy, right? Do you realize that envy murdered Abel in Genesis 4? Joseph's brothers envied him. He ended up a slave in Genesis 37. Matthew 27, 18 says, for they knew that they handed him over because of envy. Jesus was crucified because of envy. Now, you know what's amazing? I've been a pastor for 15 years. Never once had someone come say, man, I'm really struggling with envy. When was the last time you felt convicted because you are envious of somebody else? Not too often, probably. We, we get convicted about other things because I think envy comes so naturally because we're human. But the idea is, is when you are unable to celebrate somebody else's victories because what they, what's happening for them is reflecting in your own heart on you. I have an example, and it was a real-world example. When I was a, a young pastor in New Jersey, we had planted a church, there was a couple of gals who were struggling to get pregnant, which is, for some women, that's a huge thing. It's a hard struggle. And, they were, and we were praying for both of them, and all of a sudden, one day, one of the gals got pregnant, right? And people were celebrating with them, but the other gal left in bitter tears. Why? Because right away, it was, why her and not me? Now, again, there's no judgment. It's a hard thing. I couldn't even imagine as a woman who wants to have a child who can't. Like, there'd be a lot there. But in a lot of ways, she wasn't able now to celebrate God's blessing on this other person's life because all she could think about was how it related to herself. And what was beautiful is she got pregnant two months later, and she came and she's like, I, I wish I could have celebrated. Because they were praying. They were like prayer partners together, these two gals, praying that God would bless them with a child. But in the moment, she was unable to rejoice in God's blessing on another person's life because it became self-focused. She got it and not me. And how many of us, if we look at our own lives and the struggles we have with people, if we really boil it down, it becomes a question of envy. It becomes a question of, it's really not about what God's doing in your life. It's really about what God is doing in your life and actually how it relates to me and what I don't think God is doing in my life. And anytime you're in a situation where you feel competition with another person, you feel rivalry with another person, when you are displeased with the success of somebody else, it's not love. It's just pride. And what's at the center of pride? I. P-R-I-D-E. I is at the center of pride. 
So love is selfless because if you are selfless, you can rejoice with someone who they rejoice. Even if like somebody else gets the promotion you wanted, you could say, okay, well, praise God. I'm excited for you. You were chosen. I got, God's got something else for me. I trust you, Lord. But the reason love does not envy is because we're really not in competition with one another. We never have been. We're each called to live our lives before God. So love is selfless because it doesn't envy. Not only that, love does not parade itself. Now, some of your translation says love does not boast. It literally means to to behave as a bragger or as a windbag. That's a good word. We don't use, anybody use the word windbag anymore? I think, I think today we call it a blowhard, right? The idea here is that somebody who is unloving is always like, look what I did. Look at how I'm doing. Whoa, I did, you know? It's all about them. It's all about them. Without me, you can't do anything. You'd be lost without me. That, that whole thing. That's somebody who is boastful, somebody who is parading themselves. I mean, there was just the Hazeldell parade, right? Some people live their lives as their own personal parade float. I was thinking about that yesterday because we were going in the Hazeldell and all the streets were blocked because we had a soccer game and there was all these floats and it was still cool, but some of us live our lives that way. It's like, I am my own advertisement for how special and important that I am. But it's not love, it's just pride. Notice me. Notice me. I always think of in Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, I'd never met him. There was, Chuck Smith had an assistant pastor named Romaine. And Romaine was a, you know, he was a, a Marine. He was a drill sergeant and became a pastor. Nice mix. And people would come in and they would say, well, I don't like this. And I don't like that. And he would say, I, 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 I. <laughs> now, you couldn't get away with that today because they'd be like, you're not loving, you know. <laughs> but that's what he used to say. And then they'd say, they'd say, yeah, but, yeah, but he's like, you got yeah, but disease. <laughs> kind of a confrontational way to go about it. But sometimes you just want someone to say, I, 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 you know? We should say that to ourselves, right? When it's like, well, I did, and I, and I, and you just hear yourself say, I, 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 right? See, I think the reason relationships are so hard in this generation is because if it's all about us and everyone's all about us, nobody gets to relate to one another. That's why relationships fail, friendships fail, because I wanted you to do this, I wanted you to do this, and nobody's willing to meet in the middle and say, well, we're friends and we both have needs, and how do we work all this out? So love is selfless in that it's not boastful. It doesn't seek or have a self-centeredness that seeks to call attention to oneself. Not only that, love is selfless in that it's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. It's not proud. I mean, you think of the idea of puffed up, those of you who know your Bible, the idea of sin as a picture of leaven or yeast in the Bible, that it corrupts by puffing up. And if, again, we saw the intro video for our Leviticus study. We've talked a lot about that on Wednesday nights because it's a common theme in the life of the children of Israel as it relates to the Passover. They need to get all the yeast out of their house for Passover. Why? Because one of the things that God is doing in your life and in my life is he's rooting out sinfulness. He's rooting out that part of us that's puffing us up. When I think about the idea of love not being puffed up, not being arrogant, not being proud. It reminds me of John 3.16, of course, that classic verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Why? Because true love gives away. And you realize when you're proud, boastful, what you're not giving away, you're seeking to receive. So God's love is selfless because it's giving away. It's saying, this is for you. I'm doing this for you. So love is self. Not only is it patient and kind, but it is self-giving. It is self-absorbing in the sense, I'm giving it all away. Now look at what happens in verse 5. It says, love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Now you notice, remember I said all these love, they're all verbs, but now we get into specific behaviors. Each one of these three that I read, I, do, I did leave out that last clause because I'm going to take it at the end. But notice, it does not behave rudely, it does not seek its own, and it's not provoked. This reminds us that we need to live love loudly. That we need to live love loudly. That in our specific behaviors and actions, we are shouting out to the world and everyone we come in contact with, this is who we are and we are called to live love loudly. Why? Because love does not behave rudely. The idea of it not being rude speaks of the idea of shamefulness or disgracefulness. It's not in accordance with proper form. So love avoids any opportunity to be shameful or disgraceful. Now, what's interesting is that God does define what is shameful or disgraceful for us in the scriptures. So love displays itself in behaviors that are uplifting and building up. Now, I don't need to go through examples culturally of shameful behaviors that are now heralded as love because there's so many of them, it's almost absurd. But we have to realize that when somebody says, I love you, and then behaves in a shameful or disgraceful way, that's not love at all. True love's behavior is lived loudly out loud in such a way that is not rude in any way. It's not unseemly. It's not shameful. But not only that, love doesn't seek its own. Why? Because it's selfless. It's not arrogant. See, if our love is selfish, then everything we do is about what we get in return. It becomes a, a complete question of return on investment. If I do this, then you give me this. If I treat you this way, then you return to me this thing that I want. If I do this, then this happens, right? But notice it says love doesn't seek its own. So the driving motivation of our behavior is not us getting the things that we want. Now, doesn't that sound completely illogical? Doesn't that sound kind of strange? That if it's all about me getting what I want, it's not love. Now, the Apostle Paul, listen to these two verses. I'm going to read Romans 12.10 and Philippians 2.4. It says in Romans 12.10, in honor giving preference to one another. And then in Philippians 2, 4, let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Now, remember I told you the story about Team Hoyt? The father is looking out for the son, and as he blesses his son by running all these races, he's blessed because his son 
has joy. But what's interesting is he finds tremendous joy in his son's joy. Now, a lot of parents know what this is like, right? You, you do certain things for your children. It's, it's funny, my father and, and my father's wife, Mary, and my stepmother is, are here in town with us. And it's fun now as an adult talking with my father about when we were kids because I look at it from a different perspective now. My father was just telling me, hey, when you guys were getting older, I have two sisters. He's like, I never ate a hot meal with the family. Every meal I ate was in the microwave. And he's like, yeah, because, you, you know, you come home from work, you guys are already out, and I'm eating a meal, and I'm running to the game. And you think about the sacrifice that parents make for their kids. And you know what? You're like, hey, that's, that's what parents do, right? Because it's loving. You're saying, look, I want my child to blossom, and I actually have joy watching them become the people that they are. See, a love that is truly fulfilling is not self-centered. It's actually God-centered and then other-centered. Because you start to find your joy in other people's joy. You say, oh, when I take care of this person and they blossom, I have such joy in the blossom. But what happens is, is that if we are self-centered and selfish and we start seeking our own, we don't have a joy in anything because we're not getting what we want. When really satisfaction and fulfillment in love comes from watching somebody else blossom, not focusing on our own blossoming. That's powerful, isn't it? Because we live in a day and age which says you need to find yourself. You need to love yourself. You need to look out for number one. And the Bible says, no, if you look out for number one yourself, you are going to be miserable. And what's amazing, isn't that the culture we live in? We live in a culture where everyone's miserable because it's all self-focused. What do I get out of the deal? Why don't I get it out of the deal? It's funny, I, was, I got a, a coffee from Starbucks, and there was a, a little sleeve on there with a quote from Oprah Winfrey. Why are you guys laughing? And the quote says something in effect, live from the heart of yourself. Don't seek to be perfect. Seek to be whole. And I thought to myself, does that make any sense at all? Think about it. How do you live from the heart of yourself? Don't seek to be perfect. Seek to be whole. Wholeness comes from being perfect. And if you, seek from, if you live from your own heart, you know what you get? Yeah, you get living from your own heart. How many times have I told you guys, don't follow your heart? Follow Jesus. You know what happens when you follow your heart? You get miserable. Because when you're following your own heart and everyone else is following their own heart, nobody is connecting at all. But we live in a culture that says it's about you. It's about you doing what you want. When you do what you want, you're going to be, you're going to have everything you have. Be so happy. And then you get everything that you want. You live the way you want. You're like, I am completely devoid of any fulfillment in my life. Like Mick Jagger, that great English theologian. <laughs> he starts saying, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get it. I can't find it. And everything I get, I'm like, man, where's the satisfaction here? And you live your life like Ecclesiastes taught us, grasping for the wind, grabbing the wind. I can't get it. But love doesn't seek its own. Love puts somebody else in front of ourselves. We say, it's not about me. How does this impact other people? What does it mean? Not only that, we live love loudly because love is not provoked. Wow. That means it's not easily angered. Why is love not easily provoked? Because it's kind. See, 
We know that we are in a selfish place when somebody can do something and it provokes us. We become reactive rather than proactive. If you're the kind of person, and, I, and we all struggle with this in different ways because God is growing us up, but if you're the kind of person that somebody does something and automatically you lash out, you know you're in a selfish spot. Because if you love with the love of God, you're free from provocation. Someone can't provoke you to be what you aren't because God is loving and God dwells in your heart and you're connected by the Spirit to that. When you watch Jesus through the Bible, do you ever see Jesus provoked? No. No set of circumstances ever has Jesus acting any way other than perfect. People came to him to test him. This or that. He's never jumping in the mix. But instead, he is patient and calm in that and he deals with every situation with what's right in front of him. It's not that he's not, he doesn't fall into the trap of all of these things. But how many of us are easily provoked? You did this to me. How many of us in our marriages would say, I wouldn't be this way if you weren't that way? See, love's not provoked because it's love. Love says, you are whoever you are and I am a child of God, and I am not going to allow these circumstances to provoke me because I'm patient and I'm kind. Now, what's amazing is, don't we find ourselves in all of these, right? Don't, don't we say, oh, yeah, I fall short on that one, I fall short on that one, I fall short on that one. Now, I'm going to give you the, the last one here is maybe the most brutal out of all of them. So I'm going to, but we'll end on a high note, so don't worry about it. Look at this last little phrase, and we're going to end with these last few words here. Verse 5, it thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. Now, the best way to probably translate this is not it thinks no evil, but the idea, and the NIV has it this way, that love keeps no records of wrongs. Love keeps no records of wrongs. What does it teach us? It teaches us that true love is rooted in forgiveness. It's rooted in forgiveness. Now, how often do we have the laundry list of all the things that somebody did to us, right? It's like bullet points, bing, 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 right? It's like, and you say, so, so what's up with your relationship with that person? Well, this and this and this and this and this and this and this, 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 this. Yeah. He's saying that love doesn't do that. Why? Because love is rooted in forgiveness. Now, what's funny is, we know that when God loves us, he forgives us for all the things we did. Now, people always say, well, does God forgive and forget? Well, I'm here to tell you, God can't forget anything because he's all-knowing. Does it make sense? It's a philosophical issue. So you can't say God forgives and forgets, but you say, but it says that he remembers our sins no more. God's remembrance of our sins is that he knows absolutely what every one of us done, but he doesn't hold it against us anymore. He lets us off the hook for the affronts that we did. So God is not asking you or me to forget what someone did. He's just saying, because it's rooted in forgiveness, you don't have to hold it against them for the rest of their lives. Jesus is When you don't rejoice in someone's blessing or try to put yourself in the middle of every relationship, there is no love. 
As Pastor Daniel said, love is only selfless when it's not arrogant, shameful, or rude because someone else is at the center. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel explains how love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. There are things in all of our lives that break God's heart. We need to find them and ask Him for forgiveness. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 